Hi, I'm Marietta Del Vecchio and welcome to another episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast. This podcast is about lessons learned in running a business with a strong focus on startup founders and CEOs. We'll uncover what gaps these disruptors have identified in the market, what they're doing differently to their competitors, and of course, to find out their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast, I'm chatting with Danny Tai, the founder of Zcar, a company that's providing solutions to make Australia fully EV ready. During the podcast, we chat about the misconceptions around the pros and cons of electric vehicles, what the best EVs on the market are, and Warren Buffett's billion dollar profit on the biggest car company in the world you probably haven't heard of. Danny, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me here. Uh, really, really excited to have a chat with you and talk about all things EVs and Zika. Love it. Can you start by telling us exactly how you're helping Australia become EV ready? Yes. When it comes to EV adoption, there are two largest barriers are charging infrastructure and education awareness. People just don't understand or don't know the benefits of EVs. And our job is to make everyone understand it in a really simple, easy and data-driven way. So it's not what we think about electric cars, it's what we know based on the data. Because uh, there is a lot of misconceptions around electric vehicles, the benefits, the pros, the cons. So yeah, um, we explain things through data. What are some of those misconceptions? Uh, that, um, for example, the grid can't handle electric cars. Um, uh, electric cars are actually bad for the environment, particularly battery manufacturing. Overall, they're worse for the environment than petrol cars, uh, things like that. It's very easy for us to uh, dispute and dispel those, uh, I guess, uh, arguments with data because there's plenty of data around to be able to, I guess, um, prove otherwise. And are you finding that people are becoming more educated on EVs? Are the, some of these myths being dispelled? Definitely slowly, but in terms of EV adoption, it's still very, very early stages in Australia. So as a percentage of cars in the country, it's still less than 1% of cars. But if you look at new car sales, it's growing quite dramatically. So I think last month, uh, 8% of new car sales were EVs. At the current trajectory, we reckon it'll be probably 20 or 30% by the end of the year. Um, so definitely it's happening quickly. But yeah, it's definitely, I feel like moved on from, a, I guess, a cottage industry with a lot of enthusiasts and environmentalists and greenies to now just people around me starting to talk about it. Um, and mainly because the economics now start to make sense, like not just the cost of owning an EV, like the total cost of ownership, but the prices of EVs now are incredibly cheap. Um, so last week there was a $35,000 EV launched in Australia. Um, well, actually no, $38,900, uh, 35000 after incentives, which is basically the same cost as a petrol car um, in the same class. So this is where we're at now. We've definitely hit an inflection point. Yeah, I've certainly noticed that there's a lot more EVs uh, on the road, Teslas in particular. Mm, mm. Um, compared to a few years ago, I barely ever saw one, and now I'll easily see a handful of them whenever I, I pop out. They seem to be everywhere. Um, but I can't say that I've necessarily seen as many charging stations, and I don't know if they're supposed to be obvious to me, given I don't drive uh, an EV, but are they popping up? At a, at a similar rate or even at least at a rate fast enough to keep up with the adoption of EVs? I think, yeah, that's an interesting question. Now, there's the 
actual need for AV, public AV charging infrastructure that perceived, and there's the actual need. So in Australia, we have a lot of homes, a lot of houses where people can charge. So you can charge from a PowerPoint. So roughly right now, I think 70 to 80% of people charge from home. That number may come down a little bit as more apartment dwellers start using EVs. Um, but you know, the number's quite high compared to the rest of the country. So for the most part, people charge at home. So we don't have the same need for public charging infrastructure compared to other countries. That being said though, there is still, you know, that 20 or 30% that need to charge uh, using public charging um, and also may need to use it, um, I guess, when they're doing those long trips. Um, and look, it is not there yet. It's a work in progress. Um, it's definitely a chicken and egg scenario where, you know, like it's, you need a certain level of critical mass for the charging infrastructure uh, to be profitable for the operators. But then you need more EVs on the road to kind of, you know, uh, but then people don't want to buy EVs unless there's enough charging infrastructure. Um, so I can say that it's, improving but there's still a way to go but there's still a massive percentage of the population that could own an ev because they have charging at home and they drive 30 kilometers a day if that and they can just come home they do the 30 kilometers their car's got 500 kilometers of range why would you have range anxiety the data is pretty you know the math is pretty simple you can go onto our website and you can do a little charging calculator uh, for yourself and you'll be able to find out hey actually i'm only going to use like 10 or 15 percent of my car's range each day and I can go home, plug it in for like four or five hours and I've got, you know, I've replenished my charge. I have a silly question for you, Danny. Bear with me. You know how sometimes they used to say that with your mobile phone, if you put it on charge all the time, every night, it actually drains the battery or it doesn't work at its full capacity or something like that. And like you need to drain it down to zero and then charge it full. I don't know if that was a myth or not, but is there any kind of, um, nuances around EV battery charging like that? It is very nuanced and a bit difficult for me to explain it. Um, it may be, well, we can, we can go pretty deep if you want, but no, there is some truth to it. So I guess there are different battery chemistries for EV batteries. Some actually require you to charge it to hundred percent and then down to zero um, to kind of calibrate the battery management system. So it provides accurate readings. Um, those type of batteries actually don't really suffer from as much degradation from full charge, but then there's others that actually you know, shouldn't charge to 100%. Um, so they recommend charging to 80 to 90% regularly, for example. So it really depends on the battery chemistry. Uh, it does get quite nuanced. And this is how, and this is the problem we're trying to solve is to educate customers on um, what's the right car for them, how often should they charge, um, you know, what's the right way to charge. Um, you know, the, the data is there, you know, in the, you know, car manuals but it's us pulling that and providing it in a simple and digestible way so people can understand i thought that was going to be a totally stupid question but i'm really no, glad i asked it not. now that's no, really interesting <laughs> yeah um yeah the more you uh you definitely learn i'm learning every day uh like the technology is just improving by the day so it, it's constantly changing definitely a task in itself to keep on top of it let alone educate people about it as well right so it's quite it's very dynamic so a lot of what you do, as you said, is educating people, but give us a bit of a, a breakdown, help us understand if somebody calls you and says, look, I'm interested in buying an EV, but I don't really know where to start. Is that usually the problem they call you with for starters? And secondly, where do you take it from there? What happens in the customer journey? So this is why we launched their website and this is why we are building our content media business to provide those scalable answers. Um, so if you were to call me as a friend, you know, I would ask you, 
you know, how, you know, how much you drive per day. Do you have charging at home? What's important to you in, uh, in terms of like performance, uh, convenience? Uh, uh, when I say convenience, I mean like, you know, like you need a large boot for your dog or whatever. Yeah, and then um, we've actually created a tool called EV Match where you can actually enter all that information uh, in your budget and it'll make a recommendation around kind of the suitability score. Um, so yeah, that <laughs> I tell my friends that because um, I constantly get messages, hey, Danny, what do you think of this and that? I'm like, hey, just go to the website or read this guide um, because it answers all your questions. Yeah, so buddy, yeah, I'd really recommend actually going to our website and trying the EV match calculator. Fair enough. And do you have every EV on the market on your... We do. So we are the only site in Australia that has every um, EV available in the country, um, all the latest prices and all the, I guess, information you need to understand you know, that is specific to being an electric car. Um, you know, things like, you know, what the range is, what the battery size is, um, how fast does it charge, what type of battery chemistry is it. It does get a bit technical, but then as you kind of go through this rabbit hole of uh, your, in doing your research, you'll understand why this information is important. Um, yeah. Whereas I think if you go to other databases or other sites, it's kind of like petrol cars and electric combined, and then kind of the important data points kind of get lost in it. So we really try to draw those out so people can um, make a comparison, you know, like for like compared to different cars, you know, a Tesla Model Y versus say a Hyundai Ioniq 5, which is another popular SUV. Uh, being able to compare them like for like, uh, um, I think is uh, very useful for people. So are you sort of the first comparison site in Australia for electric vehicles? I would say when it comes to just focus on EVs, yes. Yeah, uh, the first dedicated one. So we, everything we do is just focused on electric cars and home energy. Uh, so a very purist view on things. Um, yeah. What was the biggest hurdle for you starting the business? Biggest hurdle? Um, there was no single biggest hurdle. It was multiple hurdles all, all the time. <laughs> um, I think for me, I really didn't have, I guess, the right background for it. Um, you know, I originally came from a banking background and then I reorientated my career to be in the renewable energy space. So that was a process in itself. And then, you know, launching a website, look, I knew I loved you know, I'm very passionate about electric cars and uh, clean energy, and I like educate. I like I like sharing kind of things I uh, really, you know, things I benefit from and things I enjoy. I really like sharing that with people. And then I saw an opportunity to educate people about this new technology that I knew was just going to become the norm one day. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that I launched a website and just learning how to one build a website that can support a scalable business and. Uh, yeah, that was a challenge in itself. And then also building and then having it rank on Google in a, although a nascent industry, a very competitive space because ultimately we're content and there's already a lot of car review sites out there. Um, so competing there is, was another challenge. So understanding the, the nuances of ranking on Google, uh, um, yeah, that, multiple challenges. Uh, and um, yeah, I think having a genuine in like interest in the problem you're solving and the industry you're in definitely helps with um, developing the skills you need to succeed. Well, actually, I was going to talk about your um, career and what led you to um, starting Zika. What, what was it in particular? What was that? Was there a light bulb moment where you just said, hey, I need to do this? 
I would say no, it was definitely a process. Um, so, you know, I would say 10 years into my banking career, I realized, and I think I had a child at the time. I'm like, hey, you know, I, you know, I think this tends to happen with, uh, with men, we start to start thinking about our lives a little bit more seriously <laughs> once we have our child and what we want to do with it. And, and yeah, it got me thinking um, about, yeah, what do I want to do with my life? And I um, really wanted to do something that was really aligned with my interests, beliefs, passions, skills, and that kind of led me down the path to renewable energy. Um, and then in particular electric cars, I just saw that massive uptick in interest kind of in probably late 2020. And then just looking online, I'm like, hey, no one's covering this properly. You know, people are just kind of covering electric cars like they would normal cars. They're focusing on the, say, if you look at the car reviews, just focusing on the, the design, the curves, the, you know, the light features. Well, hey, what about the important things like the charging, uh, the range, um, all the technology that goes into it? So, yeah, I saw that and thought, hey, maybe I can do something there. And, uh, yeah, I have been trying to figure that out ever since. And we're still trying to figure it out. We've slowly moved uh, originally we started focused on guides and kind of explaining the nuances of electric cars and all that type of stuff and now we're moving into doing actual reviews of electric cars so becoming a car reviewer which is not something i ever thought i would become but it's something i started doing a little bit more of um and to be honest i uh wouldn't say it's it kind of ignites my intellectual curiosity but then someone told me Supercar Blondie makes $30 million a year doing those car reviews. And I thought, hey, if, if I can make $30 million a year, Supercar Blondie. Um, yeah, if I can make $30 million a year reviewing electric cars, I will become passionate about it because then it allows me to use that money to do other things. Who yeah. is this person? Is this just you, on like YouTube or something? She's an Australian girl that lives in Dubai and she does car videos, supercars though, and she makes $30 million a year. And my, my, my draw just dropped because I thought, Get wow. Out. Yeah. And I'm like, I, okay, I can become a car of your if I get paid that much. <laughs> yeah. That is wild. That, that is wild. wild. That so is the world started... of content. Content is king. Audience is yeah. king. And it's not just written content, which is what we primarily do. It's video content. So you need the video whole Video well, content. Yeah. So we've started kind of moving into that and doing a bit more, but, you know, it's uh, not easy to do. And um, it requires a lot of resources as well. Have you, um, so have you now started a YouTube channel as well, a Zcar channel? Yeah, but more doing short form video for now, uh, just because it's lower investment, um, time and money. So we've, um, yeah, we do short form video for Instagram, Instagram reels, uh, TikTok and YouTube shorts. Um, so just, you know, short one minute videos. And then over time, we'll see how we go expand into longer form videos. Um, but the idea is to build a full blown content media business across all channels, um, covering electric cars and home energy. That's a great idea that I've got a friend who watches a guy on YouTube, um, buy banged up cars and fix them. And it, the videos go yeah. for like an hour. They go for a really yeah. long time. And he's, he's, tra <laughs> yeah. he's transfixed on them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, I've probably watched some of those videos. I enjoy them as well. I enjoy refurbishments. So yeah, yeah, I do actually have a, I just like cars as well. So it's funny how when you just chip away at kind of exploring what you want to do, eventually you arrive at something that you're passionate about and you're good at, uh, but it does take time. And as a car enthusiast, what do you drive now? And does it scratch that itch for, you know, uh, whatever, whatever it is that you love in a car? Does it have the grunt, the power? The... Well, 
whatever. Obviously, I drive an electric car because, I mean, I guess I am a... Well, yeah, I'll call myself an advocate for electric cars because, you know, I believe in the benefits. Uh, so it's a BYD at 03. So it's from a company called Build Your Dreams. So it's probably the largest car company you've never heard of. They're the second I or first. Yeah. Never heard of them. Exactly. Most Australians haven't. And uh, I think this is going to be part of our journeys to educate people about these new brands because the whole car EV landscape is shifting. All these new brands are coming to market, brands that people haven't heard of just because the legacy auto manufacturers have not invested in EVs. Um, and I think as a result, and Australians want to buy EVs now. Um, so, okay, well, if my traditional brands like Toyota and Honda and Mazda aren't producing them, well, I'll look somewhere else. And naturally, they've looked at Tesla first and foremost, but now we're seeing all these other brands coming to the market like a BYD. And uh, I would say BYD is probably going to be the Toyota of electric cars in the future. So watch out for them. And they make fantastic electric cars as well and very affordable. And they did, you know, they're the one that launched the $38,900 um, electric hatch last week. Wow. And are they Japanese? Do Chinese. They come from Chinese. So Chinese company. So they're a Chinese uh, battery technology company. So they actually manufacture the batteries in your phone and your laptop. And they kind of did some car stuff on the side. And then they saw an opportunity to uh, combine it to make electric cars. Um, yeah, it's incredible. So Warren Buffett actually invested $50 million in them in 2008. And I believe he that fifty million dollar share turned into a two hundred billion dollar. Warren Buffett knows knows where it's at. Wish well, I put my money where my mouth is. I kind of saw this not as early as Warren Buffett, but you know I kind of yeah. Anyway, I got to, I was just too uh, busy trying to learn about electric cars rather than invest in them. Wait, wait. I just need to I need to go over those figures again. A fifty million dollar investment has turned into two hundred billion. Yeah. Well, don't, it's 100 to 200 billion. It's something like that. It's some crazy number. It's, it's, that is wild. Yeah, maybe not 200, maybe 100 billion, but it, it, it's a huge amount. I mean, that's a lot. That's like, yeah, that's a lot. There's still time, Danny. You can still. Yeah, yeah, still early days. No, no, still early days. They haven't, days. They haven't no. um, peaked. Exactly. Yeah, no, I definitely. <laughs> I'm sorry, what's their code on the ASX? I'm just going to. Yeah, well, they're not on the ASX. I think they're <laughs> listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a list of all the stocks I was following but didn't invest in, <laughs> which I could have probably didn't even need to build Zika. I would have made money just off the stocks. But yeah. anyway. Uh... That's interesting <laughs> because, you know, typically with combustion engine cars, China isn't known as no. a player. Like, I can't exactly. even think of one car. I can think of Korean cars. No, they don't. And they don't make good combustion cars at all. Um, they took completely missed the boat, but they saw the opportunity for electric cars and the government basically went all in and supported, I guess, different businesses that were, I guess, uh, innovating in the space um, and it's paid dividends. I think we're going to see a, a shift in the world order um, in terms of auto, automobile manufacturing. You know, the world's moving from internal combustion to electric cars um, and electric vehicles. And the key plays in that space will be Tesla and I would say a lot of emerging players coming out of China so the likes of a, a BYD um, yeah and I think the biggest losers in this space in my opinion probably will be the Japanese automakers and to some degree the European ones as well um, I think their share will shrink um, but I think they'll still stay relevant whereas some of the Japanese ones it's not looking uh, very positive for them what, and why is that? Are they not investing in EVs? Yeah, they've been very, very slow to move, uh, very slow to release product, and their products released to date have been half-baked, and the consumers, no, consumers are smart. Um, 
and because you're spending a lot of money when you're spending sixty thousand dollars on a car or seventy thousand uh, for a Toyota EV, you're gonna do your research, and if it's not as good as a forty-five thousand dollar EV like the one I have, then uh, you know it's not hard to tell. So has has Toyota not released any fully EV uh, vehicles? I know they've got a hybrid. Yeah, no, they've released one, um, but it was built on their internal combustion engine platform, and it kind of shows. Yeah, it's not a EV built from the ground up. And there is a difference between an EV built from the ground up and one that's built on a shared platform. Interesting. It's like they've tried to copy paste what they already know, but what yeah. they need to do is erase what they know, don't they? Yeah. Oh, look, we'll see. Uh, I think Toyota is an amazing company. Uh, well, actually, Japanese auto manufacturers, you know, they've been really innovative in the past. So I think there's still a chance for them to be remain relevant, but their share of it, I think, will reduce significantly. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Well, seeing as you have been doing a little bit of reviewing in the past, can you give us your top three? Top three? Uh, yeah, well, it depends on um, your situation. But right now, my top three would be Tesla Model Y and Model 3. Um, they actually just reduced prices by 3900 So you can get one, you can get a Tesla Model 3 sedan um, with about 490Ks of range for, uh, what is it retailed for? I think selling for like 56,000 after incentives, you can probably get it for like 55,000 drive away. Um, this is so Tesla Model 3 and Model Y. Second one would be my car, BYD Auto 3. So that's a $50,000 kind of small to medium sized SUV. And the third one probably would be the BYD Dolphin or the MG4. So they're um, small electric hatches, both priced under $40,000 and great cars. So that would kind of be my three-ish. I have a very old Corolla. I'm talking like 99. So I suspect at some point in the next five years, I might have to start thinking about something a little bit more clean. Yeah, look, you're not going to save the world by driving an electric car. Okay. So if, um, the reality is that there's still, I guess, a carbon footprint to manufacturing. But if you are going to buy a new car, then I would seriously recommend you you uh, to look at an electric car because um, it gives you the option to be cleaner. Um, so, for example, there's no exhausts, so there's no kind of like um, fumes coming from the back, so the you know particulates. There's not, uh, there's none of that, and also EVs use regenerative braking, so there's a lot less brake dust. So the particulate matter in the air from EVs is a lot lower than uh, petrol cars. And then you have the option of potentially charging them from renewable energy. So if you're lucky enough to have solar from your home, it could be 100% uh, powered by renewable energy. Um, if you're charging from the grid, then you know it's only about 30% renewable, but it's getting cleaner. Um, so it's the lesser of two evils, but an evil that will eventually become good. I will keep that in mind if I need to buy a new car. <laughs> yeah, you're not saving the world by driving an electric car. You're just moving us closer to a better world, um, a little bit and closer. I, I want to do that. I definitely want to participate in being part of the solution and not part of the problem. Um, you mentioned that you do do a little bit of um, uh, at-home energy as well. Tell us a bit about that side of the business and how, what's adoption like in that area? Yeah, so, yeah, where we see us as different is that we're not just focused on cars, we're focused on the whole home energy ecosystem. So when you buy another trick car, um, you need to charge it. Let's just say you live in a house. So, you know, which charger do you need? You know, do you charge from a standard PowerPoint or do you install a wall charger? And then, okay, what about, how do I power it? Do I just power it from the grid or should I get solar? So what's the right solar system for it? Um, and battery, should I install a battery and an electric car uh, uh, to power the electric car? I would say no for now. 
um, but they may change. And in a few years time, you're going to be able to use your electric car as a home battery. So plug it in and it'll power your home. So um, yeah, that's this kind of kind of, we want to be able to, I guess, educate people about this whole home energy eco interconnected ecosystem. And definitely uh, people that own solar systems are more likely to buy electric cars and people that buy electric cars tend to think more about installing solar systems. So uh, definitely interrelated and interconnected. Well, that's good. And it is uptake in um, at home clean energy increasing, is it? We actually have the highest solar penetration in the world already um, per capita. Australia yeah. does? Yeah, Australia does per capita. Oh, so great. We have, yeah, um, so we're already kind of leading the world, um, but there's still a way to go uh, in terms of more houses, more buildings, and then in the future, um, not just getting um, energy from the solar, but also being able to store it with batteries, either from a stationary battery or from a, the battery from your car, which is incredibly exciting. And we're also seeing this whole electrify everything movement where people are moving away from gas and um, I guess heating through like heat pumps and um, using induction cooking. So going everything electric because I get for the same, I guess, use case. So if you're cooking something, um, electric is generally is cleaner than say coal or gas. Okay. And then that's from the grid. And then if you power it from renewable energy or whether it be directly from solar or whether it be stored energy from a battery, um, it's going to be, well, yeah, almost 95% cleaner. So, and cheaper as well. So I thought all energy grids were powered by coal. Is that not the case? Well, they were. But yes, they're trying to transition, aren't they? They're trying. On average throughout the year right now, it's probably about 30% across the country. But there are parts of the country which have more renewable energy. And obviously during the day when the sun is shining, that's its highest point. There have been instances where I think South Australia was almost 100% renewable energy during the middle of the day in summer or like, That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're going to move towards well over 50% renewable energy um, probably within about three or four years. That's so impressive. Um, yeah. I'm loving I'm, I'm loving hearing the stats and hearing that people are really getting on board. In terms of your business now, what sort of a team do you have around you? You said you started Zcar at the start of 2022. Mm. Who's around you now and who's helping the dream? Yeah, we've got a small team. Um, so I've got a I've got uh, a writer. Um, I've got a, a writer. Uh, I guess, data analysts to help us uh, maintain the database. And we've got a uh, small development team as well. So just keeping the upside, I guess, up to date and just adding features by the day. So still a very small team. We're bootstrapped. So we haven't raised external capital. Um, I guess we saw weakness in the economy um, in, you know, I guess last year and we didn't want to go down the fundraising path. So we thought we would bootstrap and just listen to kind of where the market's heading and where we focus our efforts. And in terms of product, we actually... Our philosophy is build a brand, build an audience, be number one on Google, and you can choose what product you want to build. <laughs> yeah, be in no rush to build a product um, and also be passionate about what you're building. I've got to be passionate about the problem I'm solving in order to kind of build something that's sustainable and uh, something I can, uh, I think, ride through the kind of the tough times because, you know, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. And I think having a passion for the problem you're solving um, is going to be key to that. Mm, definitely. Well, I guess that leads me to my final question is what's your silver bullet for business success, Danny? 
Um, look, I think we've had reasonable success, I think, in terms of building um, something from nothing. And, uh, you know, we've got over 40,000 unique visitors from Google a month. So I think fairly happy with that, but still a long way to go. Um, yeah, in terms of the silver bullet for us was really understand, I know it sounds very cliche, but understanding the customer problem, like what problems really do need to be solved and then going out and solving it better. <laughs> so for us, it was about educating people about this new technology, electric cars, and then doing it better, which was, you know, the, the content I described, which is simple, digestible and data-driven um, because no one's really doing the data-driven piece. It's just a lot of pros, you know, this blah, 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 but this is the data um is that and i think yeah doing it better than others right um just go where no one else is willing to go and if you go to our website and you look at our content you'll notice that it is different um and i guess we'll see if uh, it leads to a wide-scale success um and i think the third is like just having that genuine interest in the topic that's just going to allow you to sustain the ups and downs when the money runs out having that genuine interest in the problem and the industry is going to be key um, but we'll see. We're still early days. So, talk, you know, ask me in a couple of years' time. And if I'm still around and we're, six, you know, uh, and we've grown, then it's been a success. And uh, so that silver bullet uh, was true. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Denny. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed the chat.